Welcome to Leverage Women Podcast, where we equip, inspire, and connect women in the leadership that God has called them to. So welcome to the Leverage Podcast. We're so thrilled to have Helen Burns with us today. And just as way of a quick introduction, I'm Krista Penner. Helen uh, is a pastor in Surrey with her husband, John. They've pastored there for many, many years at Relate Church. And now she has the privilege of traveling the globe. Uh, she and John work as conference ministers, conference speakers, uh, sharing the love of Jesus in practical ways around the world. And so welcome. Welcome today, Helen. It uh, is great to be with you. What a blessing. You're one of my favorite people. Oh, you're so sweet. To no, see. you are. You have so much sunshine. You just, well, yeah, I you're amazing. The same back to you. I, you're one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram because I love seeing where you're going and I love seeing what God is doing. Um, yeah. I just think you're using that social media platform to share what the Lord is doing around the world. And it is an encouragement to so many people, including myself. So thank you for that. Well, thank I, you. I, we have to get creative these days because, you know, we haven't sat in an airplane. I mean, I literally came home from Australia during the lockdown. People were afraid I wasn't going to be able to... Uh, <laughs> to uh to get home but yeah so uh we came home and so suddenly the the world has stopped a bit but that's all right we get we carry on god has a glorious plan he does and even i think about us being able to connect today and yeah. that space in your life for us to talk about some of the things around leadership and in our conversation today want to know a little bit more about you helen and what makes you tick and what what uh what stirs your heart and also just some insight from you on what you see the scripture saying to us as women leaders in our time. But for fun, as we get started, I thought it would be really neat for our listeners to hear about where you lived when you were 10 and what you did for fun. Well, I have was born and raised in Vancouver. This has been home all of my life. We took a few years up north, but when I was 10 years old, I went to um, Sir Alexander McKenzie um, Elementary School in Vancouver. And fun for me was um, the neighborhood. Lots and lots of friends in the neighborhood, lots of friends at school. I come from a beautiful family. I've always loved being outdoorsy and being out there, taking on the world. So yeah, I lots of friends. I'm, I'm very much an extrovert. So if I think about my happiest times in my life, it's around family and friends. That is very cool. So one of the reasons what prompted me to even ask you that question is, I don't know if it was maybe three, three weeks ago, you posted some old photographs. It might've been even last week. I don't remember, but you posted old photographs that you found of your school classes. And I'm in there trying to pick out who you, who, you know, where you are in there, but just a trip down memory lane, I'm sure to think about the connections you had, people you knew, things that you did uh, as a Vancouver girl. So that's very cool. Very cool. So when you were 10 was, uh, did you have the same perspective on relationships that you have now? There are, it's a high value. Relationships are a high value to you. I know they are because of what you speak on, what you're passionate about, how you live your life. Um, when you were 10, how did that look? <laughs> when I was 10, and really up until probably after I was married, um, I think I thought the whole world loved me. It never occurred to me that I, that everybody wouldn't just be my friend. I loved relationships. I, I, like I said, came from a very healthy family environment, but I actually had this notion that everybody likes me and why wouldn't they? That if I met a new friend, they'd want to be my friend. I'd want to be their friend. And I think that is truly um, the foundation of how I started. Of course, I was to discover when you ask about what do you know today that's different? Well, in fact, not everybody does love you. It's a, I think it's healthy to think that and to believe the best of people and believe that they would love you. And if they had a chance to get to know you, you would like me and we could be friends. I, I, I still have that on the inside of me, but life has taught me that, that there are battles that we fight. And I think that the greatest joy in life is relationship joy. And the greatest pain in life is relationship pain. And I have experienced both. Um, way more joy, but I have certainly experienced the pain of relationships as well. Pain of brokenness, pain of people leave, pain of um, 
working through some hard things. And, and so I had a very probably naive understanding about relationships, but I don't think it was naive in a bad way. I just think experientially, I felt loved and adored by my family. I felt that within the context of school, even through high school, surprisingly, that I just believed that the world loves me. And I think that's, that's where I started and have learned a few things. Well, and you've referred a couple times already in our conversation to the healthy family environment that you grew yeah. up in. And yeah. certainly that has to have played such a large role in your perception of yourself and your perception of others. And really a foundation that allowed you to understand on and even in a small way, the love that Christ has for you when you see it exemplified in your family. Mm -hmm. But in this journey that you've been on, we'll, we'll move back, we'll move away from when you were 10 and move, move a little bit uh, more into your adult life. Can you share with our, our listeners when in fact you first discovered or understood God's call on your life to lead? And who in your life was part of that journey when you first discovered that? You know, it's interesting. I, I was always a leader in high school, head cheerleader, class president. You know, I was outgoing. I was that kind of a leader. But when it came to things relating to leadership in a spiritual capacity to be a leader, I was the most reluctant leader there was. I struggled with it. And quite honestly, part of it was, though I had great um, beautiful uh, Sunday school teachers and such that taught me that were female. For me to stand in leadership within our church context was very difficult for me. I felt like I'm a woman. I, I don't think I can do this. I, I shied away from it. I felt like I wasn't enough. I didn't have enough biblical understanding and knowledge. I didn't have the training. And I had a husband who kept pushing me forward. There was a time that was probably one of the most marked times in our journey and my journey of leadership was where one time we were having a Bible study at home. God had done a real work and a healing in our marriage. And now we were planted again in church. We were growing and building together. And John had to travel and he couldn't be at a Bible study. And so Helen, he said, Helen, I need you to teach tonight. I'm like, I'm not doing it. Absolutely no. You can't make me. I mean, I was very stupid and stubborn about it, but I can't. Uh, he's like, what do you mean you can't? And I'm like, no, I, I can't. And this fear rose up in me and he looked at me and he said, so you're okay with disobeying God? And I was so busted. And that's how he placed it. And it wasn't, it was really not just, it wasn't him bullying me. It was him letting me know that if there is a call on your life, who are you to say no to it? And it, for me, it was very small steps in the beginning. And, and it wasn't just leading as John and I have led in the sense of leading a church, but in many areas of leadership, I had to just embrace the fact that God had put something on my life. I've, I think I've walked into every arena afraid, feeling like somebody could do it better than me, feeling like I wasn't enough, but I, but I, I did take those steps forward and felt like it was a step forward out of obedience. And this probably happened when I was in my early 20s after, yeah, that's when it first began. So now I'm 40, 40, no, no, I'm 64. Right. I, yeah, that was a really long time ago. So 64 now and uh, in a very different season. And, but I'm thankful for a husband who believed in me. My parents and others, you know, encouraged me in that. I never actually didn't have voices say no to me. I hear a lot of women that just say, I have no opportunity. Nobody gives me a platform or, you know, and I'm, I don't think it's about the platform. I think it's about step. Leadership is really being a great disciple. If you're a great disciple, you will make other disciples. And that was easy for me to grasp. And then I found myself doors just opening more opportunities. And I felt like God say, move through those doors, whether it was working with women, working within our church context, whether it was speaking, doing seminars, I just kept saying yes. I, I feel like if God was inviting me to be a part of leadership, who was I to tell God no? And But I would be lying if I didn't tell you that. I, I feel like I've stepped into every opportunity, rather fearful and challenged that I wasn't enough. You know, uh, it's such an interesting story when you express it that way, because I think that's a story that many women struggle with. The same thing where they're just like, 
they have this overarching story they've written about themselves that they're not enough. And I remember actually voicing that exact same thing probably about 12 years ago. And the woman that I voiced it to, Lori Wasselu, I think you may know her. She's the director of Wings. She looked in at the time she was the chairman of um, the board of the organization that was looking to hire me. And I said, I don't know if I can do this. And she looked at me and she said, Krista, it's about time you did something that you didn't think you could do so you could watch God show up. And I think that's the, that's the narrative that needs to define us. We get called into doing things that we really don't think we can do. That we have no, we have no business sitting in the front row with the mic strapped to our face. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, we look around and go, how did this happen? And yet if we, if it's a, it's an opportunity to completely put our faith and trust in the power that got this of the spirit working through us and so it's interesting and i think it's interesting helen that your husband was your biggest fan he was your your the biggest voice to push you forward have you found that that's been part of john's legacy to the church has been his uh, being a champion of women in leadership absolutely oh gosh even as you say that i feel tears welling up because it's a powerful thing to speak into another person's life. And there's no question, John Burns, and our story was a rough beginning, but I've loved watching how God has raised him up and for him to be a voice as well. John was a professional. He was a dentist. And for years, that was where he was. He stuttered for 25 years of his life, but he too reluctantly stepped into places that God had called him to. And I look at today um, who he's become, but I would say one of the most profound impacts that he had impact the one the most profound impact he has is to really empower women and call them to rise in what god's called them to do uh, we live in a world where i think often women feel silenced and feel marginalized and feel like they're not asked to the table and i am not a i am woman hear me roar and i'm mad about it i'm not that woman at all because i believe we have to work beautifully alongside the men in our world it's not either or it's yes and we move together wow. but i believe that he has done that uh, in my life and i think that he set that example within our church community and everywhere he goes he is a champion of women you know that's a that's a beautiful story i know in my own my own walk of leadership i've had men who have championed me and have helped me and interestingly enough uh, some have not even shared my faith and yet they have pushed they have pushed me into leadership because they saw something in me so god uses it all god uses all the circumstances of our lives and they kind of come together and form who we are and where we're going. So we talk about leaders and we talk about leadership and I thought it would be really good for our listeners to even understand right now, what kind of ministry are you and John involved in right now? What does your a typical, should we say a week or a month look like for you in regard to ministry? Well, in general, we spend a lot of time, probably 40% of our time somewhere in another part of the world. We literally do travel the globe. And a lot of that is teaching marriage and family conferences and seminars and churches and ministries globally and in Canada, of course, as well. And so that's 40% of our time. But we remain as part of the team at Relate Church, which we planted 34 years ago, originally known as Victory Christian Center, but now Relate Church. And so we're still part of the team. We're the founding and teaching pastors. We still are very engaged with church at home. It's definitely, if you were to ask me what's your number one, what holds the biggest space in your heart, there's no question. It's still the church. We love the church. We champion the church. But our life looks both both have a very important place in our life and God has opened up unique opportunities to to speak into other churches as well and and because of our story we come out of a really broken marriage and broken family where God put us back together and and it wasn't broken because of infidelity or abuse just neglect really and God put our story back together and gave us just these platforms again saying yes to 
whether it was we were asked to do a live radio or a nightly radio show on a secular radio or television or whatever. God has just opened these miraculous doors. And so we just keep saying yes to what he asks us to do. So television is a big part of our life as well. We're on the Hillsong Network and we do a lot there. And uh, yeah, so that's a part of what we do. One of the things currently that I feel is one of the biggest mandates on our life is to come alongside young pastors Mm. who have planted churches who are like really we're seeing their churches flourish but the area that they feel like they need the most support in is building a strong marriage and family in the middle of it all because often that gets neglected on the altar of ministry if you will so I feel that's been a really important part of what we are doing and interestingly too I'll just bring this up in this age where we often think young people don't want to hear what older people have to say in John 66 and I'm uh, 64, as I said. So it's interesting. We have never found uh, the audience, if you will, or the, the, the lean in that we are feeling today from the, the young ones from 16 to 26, say mm. they have questions and I think they have no end. They can ask Siri anything. They can go to Google it. They can, there's no end of information, but I think what they are desperate for is trusted voices. Ones that have walked this journey, um, that love God, love his church, love each other, love their families. And so it's an interesting time where you could think we're not relevant anymore, but I've never found that we have become more relevant than right now, interestingly. That is interesting. And you wonder if part of that is just there's brokenness everywhere around us for all the information we have, for all the resources that we have, there's still a deficit. And, and I think that there's a longing. And I mean, you think about that, that deep longing that God implants in each one of us to know him and to know his peace. I was just looking yesterday at Galatians 5.22. I read through the book of Galatians and you get to chapter five and there's the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. And, you know, there's that, there's that mandate to live those things out. And you look at love, joy, and you, you land on peace. And you go, man, people are searching for that peace. And I am to actually exhibit it so somebody else can know, even know what it is. And I, I thought it's, it's surprising on one hand, Helen. And then I think, amen, God is at work. The spirit of God is moving among us. And so that's exciting to hear, actually really thrilled that that's happening in your ministry. So another question that I had wanted to, uh, ask you today as we were meeting here together is I I want you to talk to us a little bit about how you see I mean you've talked you've expressed how you're like how is God even going to use me you've walked into things uh with you know a little bit of fright up to your eyeballs like what in the world am I doing and yet at the same time you know you're a gifted woman you know that God has imparted gifts to you because he gives us all gifts and when you think about the gifts that God has given you, where what's what's happening with your gifts when they intersect with the deep longings of your heart? Like, what are the things that really move you? And how are your gifts intersecting with what really moves you? And how has that impacted your journey in, in ministry and in life? Well, that's a big question, Krista. <laughs> I know it's a big question. Uh, you can you can you can answer it or you can go in any direction you want. Well, I think if I, I look at what totally ignites my heart, it is a a sense of connection for kingdom purpose. I feel like God is doing something glorious for such a time as this, and God has always had people all over this big beautiful earth that have, have, I believe so much of what I'm doing today is because God divinely connected my dots, if you will, with other leaders, with other women like yourself. I think all of it is part of God's beautiful strategic plan. And I recognize the truth is uh, we're just, it's relationships. It is, we are like one relationship away from the next thing that God has called us to and is opening the doors. Everything I'm doing today was birthed in relationship. And so I'm passionate about people having authentic relationships, having heart, heart invested 
masks off. Let's do this. We have nothing to prove. I am going to champion you and, and, and I'm trusting that you'll champion me. I believe that that is what's beautiful today. I love that we can today, I think, be not just work within our denomination or what's familiar to us. I believe there's a big world waiting for us. I heard a pastor from Australia say this, Pastor Phil Pringle said, um, 90% of the relation, your future is not in you. It's in the relationships that God is bringing to you. And I don't think you can quantify that, but I know that to be true in my life. The many things that I put my hand up for and that I feel like God is leading to me, there was always a relationship. And so like even today, I connected two great women in Canada. One planted a church a year ago. The other one's about to plant a church. And, I, and how they're going to do it, because they're from such a small community in Ontario, I thought, I know who. So I put them together, and my heart just ignited. Because I thought what they're going to do together is going to be brilliant. So I love that. I feel like that so much of what is on my life is in this season to be one that connects, one that, that champions one another. And I believe we as women need to get spectacular at it. I believe we as churches that I'm not, you're not going to hear me talking negative about another church in our community or otherwise, because thank God for them and thank God for what they're doing. Yeah, we're not doing it all the same. Our, our doctrine may not be identical, but we're serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and anything that I can do to be a part of fueling that, that makes me happy. That's a beautiful, I, that's a beautiful picture. And I got to tell you, when, when I think about your, your uh, deep longing for relationship and how that really ties, it does, it intersects with the gifts that God has given you, the gifts of connecting, the gifts of communicating, uh, the gift of encouragement, um, the gift of casting a vision for where we can go, what it can look like if we are in unity together. Like those are gifts that God has given you that you're freely using. I met you, well, I didn't really meet you. I sat in your class in 2004. You remember our sister Beth Moore came to Surrey, British Columbia in 2004. I had never heard of her before. My friend said, what do you mean you've never heard of her? We gotta go hear her speak. And then there were all the breakout sessions and I went to your breakout session and was so blessed. I sat way at the back and there was Helen Burns up at the front and uh, you, were, you were wonderful, you were encouraging. And I remember just being, just marveling at what God was doing in that generation, in that time in 2004. And that was a very pivotal time in my spiritual walk as I really cried out to God to show me what he would have for me and surrendered my life at that conference to whatever God had for me. Mm -hmm. It was like a full, snot cry at Love the altar, like God just use me. And I remember seeing you there, recognizing that there was this uh, mix of denominations that showed up at that event. And I think in our city, that was unprecedented at that time. You know, I had grown up in Surrey. I had attended Cedar Grove Baptist Church where everything was happening with Beth Moore. I had moved to mission and I was now at another church. And I remember looking at that and going, this is a really beautiful picture of what happens when a group of women come together cross-denominationally, leave that, that uh, label at the door and just go, let's serve Jesus together. And you were really influential in my life. And of course, our paths crossed later on in, in subsequent years. And it's just been an incredible blessing to know you and to learn from you. And, and, and I think it's important even now as we talk about this, for those women who are listening to us, to actually stop and take stock and go, what are the deep longings of my life? What stirs me into action? What makes my heart stop? What brings a tear to my eye? What, what makes me get you know, a bit of a lump in my throat? And how is that connected to how God's has gifted me what are the things he's put in my hand that I am to use and I think there's nothing more powerful for a woman leader to take what she longs for 
and what she's gifted with and to bring them together. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I ask you the question, because I think it's so important sometimes for each one of us to reflect on that in our lives, because it's almost like a little bit of a reset button. You know, you go, right, that's what's mm -hmm. important. When I hear you talk about relationships, Helen, I'm going, yeah, like the heart, it's hard work sometimes. Do you ever find that? Like as much as you love them, do you find them to be like, I've got to do that. I've got to call that person. I've got to make the effort. I need to send the little note. I need to send the text. Does that ever happen in your life? Even though you love relationship, is it still, is there an element to it that there's discipline and work involved with it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that if relationships were easy, everybody would have brilliant relationships. And I don't think they're that easy. You and I have the same cup. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, if relationships were easy, everybody would have brilliant relationships, but they are hard work. And I know that the kingdom of darkness, the enemy opposes um, relationships that God wants to connect for divine kingdom purpose. And so he comes against, and that's where I've recognized that we need to live open-handed and open-hearted to not have a territorial perspective around relationships, to, to, to just be willing to, I, I say this all the time and I believe it with complete conviction. Everybody needs more friends. Everybody, you need more friends and I need more friends. And I think a lot of times we think, what do you mean? I don't even have time for the friends that are in my world right now. And I just think that we put a, a limit on what God wants to do by we decide who should come and who should go. But I have just decided I'm going to be open to those people that God brings into my life. They may look so different from me and, and have different thoughts and they may be a very different age demographic or cultural demographic or even economical, socioeconomic. I'm going to be open. I'm going to be open to how God can use that person in my life. I love to use this analogy when it comes to calling. I thought about it one day and I thought it's, it, it's, it's so simple, but it's so true for every one of the ones even listening today think, what can I bring to the table? And I believe God is asking us as women, just fling open the cupboard of your life. Fling it open. And I believe God has stocked your cupboard, that he literally has put in your cupboard everything that you need to engage, the gifting, the calling. And I use the analogy of a chocolate cake because who doesn't like chocolate cake? I know I sure do. But in a chocolate cake, if you think of the ingredients, none of them are spectacular on their own. Like who wants to just have cocoa or flour or baking powder or sugar or eggs or milk, whatever goes into it. None of them stand out as, wow, that's delicious. I'd eat that on, on my no, but when you put all those ingredients together and you mix them all together, now you produce something beautiful. And so often we, we think of, uh, you know, it's like the Bible talks about the body of Christ and, and sometimes the internal are so much more valuable and needed than the external. But we, we kind of try to guess how valuable are we in the equation. And I want to encourage everybody, you have something to give. But what it's going to risk, what the risk it's going to take is open up the cupboards of your life. Stop being afraid to open them up and, and be ashamed of what's in the cupboard thinking it's not enough. Because whatever God put in there, it's more than enough to do what he wants to do with you. And I think often, like my one of my greatest challenges has been, well, what's the outcome? God, if I put my hand up for this, say I will do this, is it going to turn out? If I say I'm going to lead a Bible study, God, can you show me that it's going to work? God, if I put my hand up to speak or if I put my hand up to serve, am I enough? And I think what we need to do is take all of the um, the factor of outcome out of the equation, leave the outcome with God and just be found faithful. Do it afraid, but do it because God needs you to show up. You're never going to regret showing up for God. No, you're absolutely right. You know, and you, 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 you know, you said something really key when you're like, just do it afraid. Yeah. I love that because that's absolutely the truth. That if we look into the scripture, was there one leader that God called that didn't grapple with fear? None. Think of one. No, no. Nobody thought they were all that in a bag of chips. And that's, I think, actually the posture not doing it feeling like God isn't enough in me, but I think the, pos we, the posture is like, I know I'm not enough, but God in you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that I can do it because you're strengthening me. No, that's so good. That's so good. Uh, you know, and I think about our time here together and I'm just, uh, yeah, we're doing pretty good here. I'm, I just want, I have a few more questions that I wanted to ask you just about, uh, 
one of them being as you know here you are Helen God has gifted you he's called you you're a leader in his kingdom and you're really uh, I would describe you as a global influencer in the Christian community you know speaking at conferences speaking to people's lives or marriages uh, using what God has shown you and taught you and turning around and giving it to somebody else and as you travel the globe and you meet people of all different cultures and different like you said socioeconomic backgrounds and all of these things and you meet women around the globe is there one message that overarching message that you think women of this generation need to hear and embrace wow you ask big questions <laughs> and i love that <laughs> i guess what i would want to say believe there's a place at the table for you the invitation isn't if, if a certain person invites you to the table, but is God inviting you to the table? Everyone has a part to play. I think there's a lot of people that just feel like I have to elbow my way in. I'm going to have to force my way in. I just don't think that God works that way. I believe your gift will make room for you. But I believe there, there is a desperation on planet Earth right now when it comes to women. I believe women still are so marginalized. That they and it's not because I'm not speaking disparagingly of men because gosh I love the men in my world and I know so many amazing men but I think for the most part women are marginalized women aren't invited to the table and so we're waiting for a man or another person to invite us but I think what we need to do is just keep showing up I believe women need to know it's critical. Our daughters need to know it. I think one of the main reasons that I want to just keep pushing ahead is because there are others that are watching that I need to keep going and I don't want to stop now. I want to keep going because there are so many that I think that need to see us as women um, carving out pathways. I know I have cut out some pathways for others to walk in. As God has just led me forward, I'm looking, I see a, you know, several, you know, daughters, I have daughters and they're leading. I have grandchildren and they're leading. I, I see many women in our church and others that, and men, but that are rising up and moving forward because they see in me, not someone who's like the most talented or the most beautiful or the most skilled, just someone who's willing. And so I think that women everywhere and the global message is, is just step up, offer what you have and watch God take your little and make it much because that's what he does. And I want to encourage people to stop playing small in the world, to stand up and know that you are the daughter of the king and he's put a crown on your head. He's put his word in your mouth. He's put love in your heart. How dare we hide from a world that waits to know the beauty of the gospel of Jesus? The Bible teaches, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, by the way you love one another. So we carry Jesus into this world. And I want to encourage women, get up, show off Jesus, wear him well, and the world can't help but notice a good God that's alive and well. That's a powerful message. As you're, as you're explaining that, I'm thinking of that phrase we see in the scripture, here I am, Lord, send me. Yeah. Send me. It's that willing posture. I, I kind of look at it as it's what, you know, you get up in the morning and your feet hit the ground and you go, okay, Jesus, today is for you. And I think that's the message that women need to hear because they don't think they're leaders. They don't think they can do this thing. And leadership is not some mystery. I think leadership is just, as you have said, wearing Jesus well, influencing others to know who he is. That's what a leader is. And if you just willingly say every day, today, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I kind of blew it yesterday. But today, I'm going to serve him to the best of my ability. I'm going to show him off in yeah. the world that I'm in just by my attitude, by, by how I approach life, how I, how I filter the information around me, how I respond to the current crisis that we're in. Yeah. And it's through that that people see who Jesus is. And, and that's where he grows your leadership up. Because yes, you were a leader when you were 10. You were the president of the class when you were in high school. You were the head cheerleader. 
But all of those pieces of your leadership journey were part of your journey. They were part of your learning experience. And God kept showing up and teaching you more and more what it looked like to be conformed to his image. And in that conformity to his image, which is really a reforming of Helen Burns, yeah. you became the leader that he designed you to be when you were still a cloud in the sky. So I would say to my kids, when you were a cloud in the sky, you know, it's good. I God like that. God had a plan. And mm -hmm. but part of that is our heart posture is, is the place where the, that reforming happens, mm -hmm. sends us into the image of, him, of, of his son. So yeah, those are such good words, good words for women to hear, show up. Um, there is a place at the table. And I would say, Helen, there's probably a place in there for women who already have a place at the table to look behind their shoulder mm -hmm. and go, who needs to be here? And I can scooch over and make space. Yes. I feel like that's such a big season of my life right now. I feel like recently, several years ago, maybe five years ago, I always choose a word over my year. And the year that I felt was uh, that word was generosity. And, and I, I like to think of myself as a generous person. I can always grow in that and financial generosity and that that's always been something that's come very easy to me. But I feel like God just said, be generous with what's on your life. You just make room for others. You do not need this platform. You don't have to um, fight for it. Just make room for others. And I, and I think that's a big part. And I don't think you have to wait to be a certain age to do that. I think our life should always, leadership is always asking somebody else to come alongside you. And then positioning, for my daughters, I have three daughters. I mean, I mentored them. I raised them. But my goal is that they would so far surpass anything that I've done, that they would rise in their leadership and in their calling. And my greatest joy is to see them excel. And so I think that if we get to this season of life and we're territorial about our space or our place, and I sadly see it a lot in ministry where people feel like, I don't, if I move, who am I? I'm like, You've, you've just raised somebody else up. And I think that is so powerful. I'll never forget standing on a platform many years ago now, maybe 15 years ago. And it was like at the largest church in, in Australia. And I was getting on that platform and I was getting ready to preach a little overwhelmed with the fact that I was doing that. And that particular day I was teaching Bible school students and there were, the, the world was represented there, 350 students. And as I was stepping onto the platform, I felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit say, you did not get here on your own. And I knew exactly what he was telling me. My grandmothers, and I have two of the most godly women as grandmothers, they never held microphones, but they led with their lives. And what they gave me, I could never, I could never put into words. It's beyond. And then my mother, who's not a platform girl either, but what a woman. My mother is alive and well and just beautiful. But I was raised by women who set me up for the win. And I want to be a part of that. In, in my journey, whether it's a, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a leader, as a pastor, who can I move forward? Like John moved me forward. Who do I see? And, and I am so grateful for the voices and the encouragement that I received. It almost for me, it would be ridiculous for me to, to hold back because to whom much has been given, much is required. So I have so many, so much backing me that I just feel like now I want to be a part of that, pushing others forward into everything God's called them to do. And really, Helen, that's the challenge that we all need to hear. We all need to be looking around in our sphere of influence and saying, who do I see that needs a nudge yeah. or a pull or a word of encouragement? Um, I look back on my life and some of the powerful moments have been when somebody actually takes the time to tell me that they think I have leadership potential. Massive. Tell me that I'm gifted. It, it's beyond, I mean, it's, it's beyond anything you can really describe with words, what that will do to somebody. And it will oftentimes propel somebody um, into a place they never dreamt they could go because nobody ever told them they could go there. I have such a funny story about that that you'll, you'll appreciate. So years ago, the young whippersnapper involved in, the, in politics here in BC and 
I was at a breakfast at the Vancouver Trade and Convention Center, and they'd somehow found out, I had given a speech the night before and had gotten a standing ovation, so it was kind of like the celebrity of the moment, because I was 23 years of age, I think, 23 or 24, pretty young, had a green dress on that I bought at Eaton's at Guilford, okay, just Come on. <laughs> give us context here. And uh, so they asked me, they knew I was a, they somehow knew I was a Christian, I don't think I was shy about it. Um, and uh, so they asked if I would pray at the breakfast the next morning. It was sort of like the token political prayer. So I prayed. And of course, it's a room full of people who don't know what to do with a prayer. So half of them clap when I'm done praying because it was like to them, it was a speech. And I said, amen. And they all clapped. So that's all great. I sit down and I'm sitting next to the premier, good old Bill Vanderzam back in the day. And uh, my brother-in-law's father. Okay, so there I you love go. him. Yeah, yeah love, so anyway, <laughs> that man gave me a boost of confidence like no one else. He saw potential in me where nobody else saw potential in me. And Beautiful. that day, he said some things to me that I will never forget. That sent me on a different trajectory in my life. And I will ever be grateful for that opportunity in that moment because it changed, it changed everything for me. It changed how I looked at myself in the mirror as a leader and as someone who had something to say that meant something. So that's why that's so important, that piece, um, which brings me really to one of the things that I know is, is a real um, a, a real deep longing for you and something that that you love and that is this idea of legacy and the legacy that we leave behind us and uh, I want you know if you could share with our listeners a little bit about what you see in the biblical narrative in connection with legacy where do you see that lived out why is that important and why is there some intentionality in how we uh, leave our legacy that we don't, you know, what does that look like in your life? Just talk to us a little bit about that. Wow. Legacy is one of my favorite words and something I do think about a lot. I'd shared with you already that I am a recipient of a deep and rich biblical legacy, something that I never want to squander, something that I want to steward into, into the future. And that's something I'm very active with even now. Um, but when I think of biblical legacy. I think of people in the Bible that are great examples for us to follow that many people th might think, well, Helen, I didn't have a biblical legacy or beginning like you do. And I always think, start with you. Think about someone like a Rahab. If you study her in the Bible, here she is selling her body as a profession. And yet God chose her. He marked her and, and it used her beautifully and now you know she is in the genealogy of jesus so often what we think could never happen god writes a story with and god is always writing a story and if you were to take your bible you know i've got several of them here but you take your bible and you just open up the middle page and say this is your story if you only read one page you don't know the whole story god has written you in for such a time as this and so our job is to live our moment well and do everything we know to do because after we're gone and i don't think about dying that's not what i'm talking about but but there is that fact i think about that song um I want to leave a legacy. How will they remember me? I do think about that. Every time I go to a funeral, I find myself thinking, what is my story? What, what is it that I want to have imparted? What, will I, what, what do I want to leave here? And I'm building that legacy now. It's not built after we're gone. Now are the days that we build it with intention. And I feel a responsibility to to steward my life well, my moments well, teach me to number my days that I would live with a heart of wisdom. But I also want to speak into the lives of others that your life and your choices, choose this day who you're gonna serve. I think so many of those choices, that the hard choices at the hard time where you can choose life or death, when you choose life, it's a part of your legacy. But even if we made poor decisions like even David made poor decisions in his life. And yet when we think of legacy, you think of someone like David, a man after God's own heart. So our legacy isn't dependent on us doing everything with perfection, but it's actually just coming back to God and say, God, you know, you write the story of my life. I love that about God. I, I, I think I'm constantly amazed as I read through the Bible 
that God could have left out all the messy bits, that he could have left out all of the times when his children and his chosen ones behave badly, but he wrote them into the story. And I think they're there to encourage us that God doesn't work with just perfect people because they don't exist, but he works with people who are just willing to let God write a story with your life. I heard someone say this once. I wish I knew who to give credit to, but it said, be a pen in the hand of God. Let him write his story through you. And I believe that that is what legacy looks like. Who are you impacting today? You said something about uh, Premier Bill Vanderzam at that time, speaking life to you. One word of encouragement can literally shape, like you said, it shifted the trajectory of your life. I thank God for people that did that for me. Very important times in my life. Um, you know, I remember when I felt like I was really failing as a mother because here we were in ministry and yet I had a daughter who was dying um, from anorexia and thank God she lived and was, has gone on to be healthy and strong. But oh my goodness, one person spoke into my life that day and she looked at me, she goes, Helen, you're a good mom. I didn't believe it, but I'll say she saved my life and I believe saved my ministry that day too, because I felt like quitting. I haven't, I'm not enough. So we'll have those moments, but I'm so glad I got back up again, trusted God and moved forward. And that's, I think what legacy looks like, not all these perfect steps, but steps of a story. Some chapters are more beautiful than others, <laughs> but the truth is it didn't end, start with us and it's not going to end with us. But while we're writing our story, let's write it well. Yeah, the beautiful words. I I just I I look I listen to you talk about that and I'm just reminded of the call in our lives to be vulnerable, the call in our lives to tell our story. Yeah. You know, when you mentioned King David, yeah, we think of him and we think of an amazing legacy, but were there hiccups along the way? Oh my goodness, it was more than a hiccup. It was massive indigestion in his life. Exactly. All, all over the place. But I look at him and I go, but the thing that the, the redeeming piece yeah. is he owned it and he came back to the throne of God and he came in repentance and he went, I don't have it all together. So that humility and that posture of worship that he continually brought back, that's what God's after because he knows we're going to mess up. I yeah. mean, he didn't send Jesus to die on a cross for a few little hiccups along the way. No. I mean, our, 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 the, sin of hum, the sin of humanity is so deep and long and wide, we can't even imagine it. Yeah. And God, God knew that, and it was, it, he was compelled to send his only son to die in our stead mm -hmm. because his love for us is that deep and long and wide. Yeah. And that, when, I, when you think of that, it compels us to come in humility and come with brokenness and go, God, I did it. I'm so sorry. I did it again. Mm -hmm. Would you please forgive me? I, I think that those moments in our lives, when we come back in, in a posture of repentance, we don't even know the full ramifications of that redemption because it's redemption for us. We, we are redeemed in that moment back into right standing with the Lord, but we have no idea who's watching that. And exactly. Go, oh, that's what you do when you mess up. You don't pretend it didn't happen. You don't make excuses. You don't cast blame somewhere else. You just kind of own the thing. Yeah. And you let the spirit of God wash over you and you are restored. Yeah. In right standing. And I think that has to be at the crux of what our legacy really is because it's really the thing that matters is mm -hmm. our redemption. Totally. That's a beautiful picture. So I think about, when I think of you, one of the things I love about you, many things I love about you, you're just fun and I love that about you. When I think of you as Krista, you, you have a depth, but you enjoy life and there's such joy around you, but you're authentic. You share vulnerably from your story, not just the highlights, but you share the, the, the places where you didn't you know, feel like you rang the bell and it all went well, because I think that's leadership at its core.
is authentic leadership, is vulnerable leadership, and, and open who, as leaders, if we don't have safe people in our world to talk to, I don't just go on a platform and share all of the stuff, but I do have great people in my world that I can talk to. And then when you know that you're dealing with it, then you're not hiding and you're not ashamed. And I think that has got to be one of the keys of leadership, is being true to who you authentically are, not just who you are on platform or when you're leading, but that if anybody was to come and watch my life, I am the same on the platform as I am in home, at home, and I'm going to be honest about it. And I think that that when we do that, like I said, God, God's not afraid to share the story. And David's story isn't beautiful. Rahab's beginning wasn't beautiful, but the ending is. And so I think authenticity is core to growing leadership. And who in your world? knows your story. Not everyone can bear the weight of your story, but somebody has to know it and we have to get real with it. Because if we're not, we're, we're never going to get to where God wants us to go. Oh, this is so, that's just such good wisdom. And Helen, I think, you know, as we close off our session here today, and I just can't thank you enough for doing this with me. It's been such a blessing to me. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. This has just been so good. But I think the challenge I would leave with our listeners is you know, reflect on your story. Know who you are. Think about what you've been redeemed from. Think about the blessings that God has brought into your life, the people that have come along and spoken into your life. Because I think until you actually stop and think about it, you can kind of, you know, be on autopilot through your days and not really not really being a place where you stop and just thank God for all the things that he's done for you, all the places that you've been, the people who have impacted you. And as you even reflect on the not so great days in your story, you realize that God was at work even in those. I, when I think about my story and I have some pretty ugly days in my story, but I wouldn't be the Krista Penner I am at 54 if I didn't have those pieces they have they they brought me low to make jesus great in my life and i needed it like if because life we don't learn the hard stuff at disneyland we learn it in the desert we learn it in hard places and it defines us and it strengthens us and it changes us so i can't thank you enough this has been awesome well, I'd love being with you. Uh, we will do this again. And uh, I just want to remind all of our listeners too, as we close this time off, Helen oftentimes is with us at our leverage events. She's part of our leverage tribe. And we love her, love what she brings. Uh, the leadership that, she, that you bring, Helen, is, and the encouragement that you bring to us is, uh, is something that we don't take for granted. So we love you and are so so thrilled to do life with you. So thank you again for being with us today. Thanks, Krista.